You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. I'm here. Tommy's here. Aaron's here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call Tommy's take on the Redskins win over Carolina coming up. I'm sure it's all positive. They won the game. Coaching blunders today. Uh, and Oh, by the way, did we decide on a, on a nickname for my gang of coaching blunder narcs? Do we have? Do we have? Did, we got a bunch of suggestions. I'm, I'm looking for the suggestions oh, me, now. I didn't think you were going to get to it right. All right, we'll, we'll we'll find those at some point. We'll find those uh, in, in a moment. I, I they did, were excellent suggestions. There were a couple of them that were very good, and we can come up with those because it really is helpful, very helpful when you send me um, your coaching blunders that you see in obscure college football games potentially that I don't see. I do have several of them, though, uh, for later uh, later in the show. We're going to get to Alex Smith's performance um, again, a little bit more upon further review. Tommy saw a movie last night. What did you see? I went to see A Star is Born. Did you like it? Uh, you know, great performances by Lady Gaga, who I'm, I'm very curious about. Because all I know about this woman is that she once wore a meat suit on stage. Yes, she did. You know, but uh, she's a tremendous singer. And Bradley Cooper did a great job directing it and singing. Great characters. Really slow movie. Really slow. It's not as good as everybody makes it out to be. I have heard no one say it isn't anything but spectacular. And I would ask you, did you see the Streisand Chris Christopherson yeah. version of it which was what in the 70s 76 i think and i mean i think this was a little bit better i wasn't impressed with that either uh but uh this was slow i did tell you not on the air because it couldn't have been on the air because i saw the movie on friday night but i think we talked over the weekend about a lot of things um <laughs> and there was some shouting back and forth on some of the things that yes. we talked about. But um I'd be glad to talk about them on the on the podcast if you want. But I did see The First Man and I thought it was excellent. I thought it was so good. I think Ryan Gosling did a phenomenal job of portraying Neil Armstrong. Your concern was Last week, when you and I both were told about the movie by Mark, Mark Stern, um, that you had an issue with them not making a big deal of the American no, flag. No, just okay, leaving, go ahead. leaving it out. I mean, it, Well, they it, actually show the, the American flag. Yeah, but they didn't show him planting it. But do you know why, Tommy? This story is really about Neil Armstrong's story leading up to those two famous steps but onto did, the moon. But did they show him taking the steps on the moon? Did they yes. show the moon? Yes, they did. But, but they decide to... Look... I'm not a raving patriot. This is not about patriotism. It's about historical accuracy. And they purposely decided not to put that in the movie. I've not read about this. Is this true that they purposely decided no, not to do it? I, I, I'll, I'll grant you I'm assuming that because it's so obvious. You had to perp You didn't just say, oh, my God, we forgot to put him planting the flag in. How could we have left that out? Do you know, so there is part of the movie, but not, I wouldn't say, I, I would I would say it's not a significant part of the movie, is sort of this race to the moon between the Russians and the Americans. You lived it. I didn't. Um, I do remember, uh, here's what I remember. Being in elementary school, kindergarten, I think, 
uh, during the Apollo 13 right. crisis, and they put it on television in the classroom. I do remember that. I, I really don't remember, you know, I was alive for it. I don't remember really Neil Armstrong and the first, you know, landing on the moon. But I know that the entire 60s in this race to get to the moon with the Russians was sort of a significant thing. Um, and that's part of the movie, but it's really not. It's much more about sort of the personal story of Neil Armstrong, his wife, who is played by Claire Foy. She was excellent in the movie. I do not watch The Crown. My wife does, though. She's addicted to it or was addicted to it. And Claire Foy plays Queen Elizabeth in The Crown. Um, so she's sort of, I'm, I'm, assu I'm assuming she's fairly new on the scene. She was excellent as Neil Armstrong's wife. But you know what? I think Ryan Gosling's good in everything. And I didn't even see La La Land, which everybody says was good. Yeah, I didn't see that. But I like him in, in most things. You know, But and here's another thing they left out. When Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, and he, he, what he really said was one small step for man, one giant step for man he climbed. That's what he really said. <laughs> you know that? No, I don't know well, that. Well, I mean, here's what happened. What happened? Uh, and he told me that, you know, he, he had a book out a few years ago, and uh, I went to an autograph signing, and I told him how much it meant to me when he said, one small step for man, one giant Did step you, for are mankind. You, are, is this a and, real story? And, and he says to me, he says, that's not what I really said. And he tells me about, you know, I said, one giant step for man, he climbed. So he tells me when he was a, a pilot living in a boarding house in Texas, he lived next to the Klein family. And every night he tried to go to sleep and he'd hear them screaming next door. And he'd hear uh, Manny Klein yelling, when are you going to make love to me? And he hear his wife say, when a man walks on the moon. <laughs> it's the dumbest story I've ever heard. It really is. Um, I, I, I will just say this. I think you will like this movie. But I'm not going to see. I don't go to see many movies anymore. Well, you were at the movies last night during yes. another great Monday night. Uh, we have had back-to-back -back thrilling national television night games on Sunday night. Actually, last I got night. home to watch the second half. I mean, and, and, you know, we went to an early movie because, you know, we're old, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, you you went to the uh, the 5.30 showing, probably at the Avalon. If you lived in town, you'd be at the Avalon. <laughs> um, all right, let, let's – I, I want to – you didn't watch the game last night. I watched some of the game. Uh, but, God, is Aaron Rodgers just so incredibly good But actually, clutch. it was like an NBA game. You only had to watch the last two minutes, right? No, no, this game was was a track meet from the start. It was 17-14 at the end of the first quarter. I think it's the high I, – I need to look this up. This is another thing. We haven't done a good job of looking things up before the show, like our coaching blunder, uh, watchers, yeah, but, but we're, we're, narcs. We're, but we're really only doing a podcast. We're it's only not doing, like yeah, it's a big deal. We don't have to be right about anything um, or even prepared for it. <laughs> but the um, I think they said last night that the 17-14 first quarter score was the highest scoring qu first quarter in like three years, something like that. You rarely see 31 points put up in a first quarter. It was back and forth. And, and I, 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 I want to make one comment, and, and I've got several about the game last night, but before I, I forget this one, because I might forget it if I don't mention it now. <laughs> 
God, can the Shanahans run the ball, man. I don't know what it is about Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan and the Shanahan zone run scheme, but damn, they run it everywhere they go. Um, Kyle's offense last night with C.J. Beathard at quarterback, who played well, uh, 174 yards rushing. San Francisco's terrible, Tommy, but they've got the number three rush offense in the NFL because for whatever reason... They are able to scheme up a running game. They've been able to do it better than anybody in the history of the game. Mike and Kyle Shanahan. You're right about that. Uh, Anyway, back to Aaron Rodgers. So he throws the tying touchdown pass with a minute 55 left, Tommy, in the game to tie the game at 30 to 30. Uh, the 49ers get a really good kickoff return, and then there's a 15-yard late hit penalty. So it looks like that the 49ers are going to get in field goal range to win the game in regulation. I did have the 49ers last night. I just want to mention that as an aside. That was my one pro winner of the weekend, 1-3 and three in the NFL. However, the weekend smell test number, final tally, 11-7. and seven. I am now 40 30 and 3 on the season so far. 10 and 4 on my college pick Saturday. Um, but I had the 49ers last night in the smell test. Anyway, Bethard throws a pick. Uh, Green Bay gets the ball back, Tommy, from their own 10 yard line with a minute seven and no timeouts left in a tie game. You know what Aaron Rodgers said after the game? Aaron Rodgers said this, which was surprising. Um, Lisa Salter said, What were you thinking when you got the ball back? And he said, Overtime. Because they were at their own 10. No timeouts left. They had just tied the game up. They got an interception to get the ball back. And they did actually run the ball on first down. Really? So they were potentially in that moment playing for overtime, even with Aaron Rodgers. A minute seven left. But what happened was Ty Montgomery ripped off a big run on first down and got out of bounds. And from then... From that point on, it, you know, it's like, all right, it, it's on now. And Aaron Rodgers on a third and 15 gets sacked. But there's a very questionable holding penalty on Richard Sherman, which gives them the automatic first down. I didn't think it was a great call. But, Tommy, after the sack, Aaron Rodgers is on the ground, gets up, limping, hobbling, looks like he's hurt. As he's been this yeah. year, we've seen it because he got legitimately injured in the opener yes. against the Bears in that first half, and it came back and led that incredible comeback in the second half. And on the very next play, he goes back to throw, and he sprints right up the middle, right up the A-gap, 21 yards. Uh, you know, It was the get up real slowly, like, oh, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, and then boom, he's off to the races, 21 yards there at midfield. And then something happened. Um, on three straight plays that was really, from a 49er standpoint, as incompetent as you can get from a football IQ standpoint. They have no timeouts left. There are 20 seconds left in the game. The ball's at midfield. It's just short of midfield after Aaron Rodgers ran it out to the 45-yard line. It was at the 45. They have no timeouts left. 20 seconds left in the game. What is the key for the 49ers? You can't let what happen. You can't let the guy get out of bounds. You can't let him throw to the sidelines. Okay, right. All right, you got the ball's got to go in the middle of the field. Yeah, you got to keep know? the ball in the middle of the field. So three straight completions to the sidelines for chunk yardage and out of bounds. Three. I mean, not one, not two, but three straight completions gets him in easy short range uh, for a field goal for a game-winning field goal. All of the plays stopping the clock. 
That is horrible football by the 49ers. Incompetent football by the 49ers. Especially after the first one. You know, with 20 seconds to go, you complete something down the middle of the field, you'll have time to get up and clock the ball and get your field goal team out there. But once you get to like 11 seconds, which I think it was the second one or 12 seconds, you, you got to force everything into the middle of the field. You got to make sure that they throw it to the middle of the field and the yes. clock runs out on them. And he gets three straight throws to the sidelines, stopping the clock. And then one more thing. This was a fascinating final couple of minutes of the game. With six seconds to go, they are in range. I mean, they're at the, uh, I think they were at the 10 yard line or 11 yard line at that point of. Of um of San Francisco, I'm going to look up exactly how long that field goal was. The game winning field goal, I think it was 28 yards. It was short. It was 27 yards. So they're at the 10 yard line of the 49ers with six seconds to go, and Aaron Rodgers waves the field goal team off. Says Mike to Mike McCarthy, No, 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 one more play, one more play. Why would you risk one more snap? I mean, if anything could go wrong, of course, on that snap. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to make sure that Mason Crosby was kicking the field goal on the final play of the game, a true walk-off. So he took the snap and he threw it over the head of, I think it was Adams, on the far sideline. And Tommy, my first thought was they could potentially throw a flag for intentional grounding. Kirk Cousins, New Orleans last year, Play he throws it way over the head of the receiver on the outside. Remember in that in that hectic, chaotic end in New Orleans after they had blown the lead and they still had a chance to get in field goal range. And he throws it over the head and they called grounding and then they had the 10 second runoff and then all hell broke loose. Because yeah. Jay didn't know the rule and Kirk didn't know the rule and it was incompetence at the highest levels of clock management. I don't I, I, I don't think because there was a receiver there that they could have called it, but it clearly was intentionally grounding the football to stop the clock. Or I guess intentionally grounding is also to you know avoid a sack. But he threw it over the head, no flag, uh, and there are three seconds left, and he then says, all right, Mason, you can come out and win the game now. But I couldn't believe that they were going to take another snap with six seconds left. What happens if the snap got botched somehow or they got quick pressure and he threw it over the head and then it's obviously an in intentional grounding. Mason Crosby comes on, wins the game, and how about this? Mason Crosby, one for six last I week. Know. One for five on field goals, missed a PAT also. And he was seven for seven last night. Four for four on field goals, three for three on uh, PATs. And Rodgers said something about Mason Crosby in that interview with Lisa Salters after the game. He thanked the organization for being patient. And I read that as he was the one that went to the organization and said, no, 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 you can't cut him. Yeah. You got to give Mason Crosby he, he another chance. He used the words, we put our arms around him this week. Yes. Yes. Mason Crosby was also part of the post-game interview with Lisa Salters. He was clearly emotional. Um, and said every you know everybody had my back the whole thing, but Aaron Rodgers, you know when you are Aaron Rodgers or you're Tom Brady, I don't know if it would work with Belichick, but when you're Aaron Rodgers and your head coach is Mike McCarthy, yes, you can go right to who whoever the decision maker is or decision makers are and say, no, you're not bringing in kickers, you're you're not bringing in kickers. We are giving Mason another shot. 
Thank you very much for calling me in for this conversation, but that's how it's going to go. Well, what you can do is you can stand on the field with six seconds left and put your hand up to the head coach, say, nope, yeah. send him back. It was that that was crazy to me. <laughs> but um it was uh it was another incredible, you know, you had Sunday night, which may have been one of the best regular season games, really, in yes. recent oh, yeah. NFL history. Absolutely. And then last night, you're not going to call it the you know one of the greatest games, but it was Aaron Rodgers in prime time doing what he did in the opener against the Bears, and last night dr- driving him 90 yards or 80 yards, I guess, for a walk-off field goal range, and they win a game. I will just say this about the Packers. Um, they're just not – they were missing pieces last night on offense. Uh, the, Cobb was out. A couple of people were out uh, offensively. They're not a good de- defensive football team. They yeah. just – they aren't very good defensively. I mean, the 49ers move the ball up and down the field on the Packers. Aaron Rodgers uh, also, one more note on last night's game, became the first player in NFL history with back-to-back games – of throwing for 400 or more yards with no interceptions. That's remarkable. Let me ask you this. One, a secondary narrative to what happened Monday night, and maybe it's it's been percolating for quite a while, but I think it really surfaced this time, is a lot of people are saying that it's a shame that Aaron Rodgers has to play for a coach like Mike McCarthy, that he can't even be the best he can be because McCarthy's a bad coach. I, I don't. I don't subscribe to that at all. Okay. I don't. I. I know, and I've heard the stories about Mike McCarthy. And there are things over the years where you shake your head and you're like, "Did he really just do that, or did they really just, you know, play that way against that team?" McCarthy is far from that bottom third of, of coaches in the league. But well, imagine, imagine Rodgers with. Uh... He's a middling coach. He's t- he's in the in the Tommy. He's in the. In the in the 15, 14 to eighteen range in terms of head coaches, I wouldn't put him a lot lower than that. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't think the same way about McCarthy that others do. But go ahead. Imagine him with Kyle Shanahan as his head coach. Well, there are a lot of offensive guys that you know would yeah. be amazing fits. With, yeah. for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. You know, I know you're going to laugh at this, but Jay Gruden wouldn't be the worst fit for an Aaron Rodgers. Jay Gruden hasn't had an Aaron Rodgers, and part of the reason why may be that Jay Gruden feels that hey, he can plug and play anybody into his quarterback, you know, in, into that position, and they can succeed in his scheme. Actually, he's got the number one pick from the draft that year. Why would he want the number 25 pick? I do want to get to that. Yes. What, what do you, who did? Jay Gruden has the number one pick in the draft from that year. Oh, with uh, with with the Alex 2005 Smith. draft. Oh, with Alex yeah. Smith. Yeah. Oh yes, I'm sorry. I thought you you were going back and telling me that Jay Gruden was somehow part of San Francisco's decision to take no. Alex Smith. No. Yes. No, no, no. Yes, he has Alex Smith yeah. from that draft. Yes. And, and, and why? Why does he want the? What was Aaron Rodgers? And, and, and the Redskins got pick. and the Redskins got Jason Campbell yes. out of that draft, right behind Aaron Rodgers. They did right behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I want to get to Tommy's game take from Sunday. I want to get more into Alex Smith and his performance. But right now, I want to tell you about Window Nation. Harley and Aaron from Window Nation are fans and believers in this podcast, and me and Tom and everybody associated with it. Um, We want you to trust in them if you need new windows. Window Nation is my favorite window company, and it should be yours too. I've bought windows from Window Nation. It is easy to do. They are great when it comes to customer service. They send their best salespeople out. 
a free estimate. Why wouldn't you, for a free quote, have them come out if you're thinking about new windows? But with temperatures falling fast, it's a great reminder that your window, pun intended, pun intended, for getting new windows installed before the holidays and snow hits, that window is closing. While most window companies are experiencing 12-week lead times, Window Nation can do it in less than half the time and save you half the money. Call today and get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy six, get uh, six free. There's no limit. There's only one thing better than free windows, free financing. And for the next two weeks, Window Nation is offering no interest for five years. New windows now and no interest for 60 months. Call the window company that over 80,000 homeowners, including me, have already trusted and take advantage of this amazing offer now. Get two windows for every two windows you buy and 0% interest for five full years. Windownation.com will help you save this winter and forever on your energy bills. Eliminate those nasty drafts and start enjoying all the benefits of new windows today. That's windownation.com or call 866-90. Nation. Okay. Um, I've got a couple of things that I want to go back to uh, regarding the game yesterday, but I want your take on the game. You wrote a column about the game. You asked uh, several questions during the press conference of Jay Gruden and of Alex Smith after the game uh, because you were there. What did you think of the Redskins' huge win? Over the Panthers. Oh, it, I mean, really important, good win over yes, the Panthers. Yes, it was a big <laughs> win. It was a very important win because the alternative would have been a pretty ugly week leading up to the Dallas game. So, yeah, it was a big win. Their defense hung tough. Uh, the Panthers cooperated with many self-inflicted wounds uh, right from the start. And But, you know, ironically, I, I wrote a column about a team that won an important game and pretty much what I focused on was the limitations of the quarterback. And just to be honest with you, Barry Sfaluga from the Washington Post wrote the same column. In other words, like it, it basically it was hard to watch that game now, game five of the series, and not really recognize the limitations of Alex Smith. That he needs he he needs a lead. He need things. He needs a running game. He need and I know lots of quarterbacks need that. But the quarterback who was here, like we've said before, the quarterback who he replaced didn't need that necessarily. No. It helps him, but he didn't need that in order to to put up a good offensive uh, display. So I mean that that was apparent to me. That's what that's what I asked Alex Smith is, uh, you know, this idea of of you know being having a lead. Uh, and playing with a lead, which the quarterback talked about, tr- uh, you know, a lot after the loss to New Orleans, how it impacted them to be behind early. So when they took a fourteen to nothing lead, I wrote a column saying, "Well, he was in his he was in his comfort zone then, and they managed to hang on to it." But th- this, and I called it a thing, and he didn't seem to like. No, that. he didn't. He didn't. He his response was, "Oh, I didn't know it was a thing." Well, it, it is a thing. Well, according to you, it is. Is it a thing now? I I want so this this was your this was your so we we can blend the two conversations your your thoughts about the game and the Alex Smith conversation because your thoughts about the game really were about Alex. Yes, they were. It was hard not to ignore and the limitations. Look, um, 
Jay Gruden had a couple of quotes yesterday from his, uh, you know, Monday, uh, Monday presser that I want to read to you. Um, this was his quote about Alex Smith's vision on the field. He was asked about Alex Smith's vision on the field, and he said, quote, I think the critical side of me, the coaching side of me, there are some things we've got to clean up, get his eyes in certain progressions a little bit quicker, and maybe get off some others a little bit quicker. Sometimes he hangs on too long, giving guys too much of a chance where he needs to get off of those guys and get to the next guy. But for the most part, I thought he improved from last week to this week, and there's still some improvement to do for everybody across the board. I like where he's at. I like that he's buying in and he's learning. Then on a question asked about the two drives at the end of the first half where they had the ball in Carolina territory and they got nothing, Jay Gruden said, quote, they were frustrating, really, that was a golden opportunity to kick at least three points on the board. Our defense put us in prime situation there. We used our two timeouts. They threw the incompletion, so we had plenty of time to possibly get six or seven but took a bad sack. We had somebody open there that the ball should have gone to, but he was trying to look off the safety a little bit too long, and that's kind of what we were talking about. Sometimes he gets stuck on a guy a little too long right now. Um, Let me just make one quick comment on the end of the half. Jay Gruden could have run the ball, too, to help him a little bit, especially on that first drive when they got into Carolina territory just after the two-minute warning, after that little option play to Mo Harris got him a first down. They should not have taken run out of the play-calling equation. They had all of their timeouts left. They had plenty of time to run the ball to get into field goal range or to run the ball to to create you know the opportunity to score a touchdown. And Jay Gruden called three straight passes with a guy that he says is holding on to the first target too long and not getting to the open people quickly enough. So I would put some of that personally on Jay there at the end of the first half. But Tommy, here's the thing. This is, I mean, I I don't want to do this, but I, I like doing it actually. But I hate doing it also because I know it drives the Kirk... You know, the people that couldn't stand Kirk and can't stand when I back Kirk, it drives you nuts, but I have to do this. First of all, I will say this. Things are going to get better with Alex Smith. They are. He's smart. He's going to learn. He and Jay will get into sync. I believe that. Um, The team around him has to stay solid and be healthier. That's the fundamental problem is Adrian Peterson. I mean, he had a gutsy performance on Sunday. He 90s. was the star of the game. Yes. And no one, whoever was second, was a distant yes. second. Yes, and 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 without Adrian Peterson, it doesn't matter how much Alex Smith improves. There's no, like I said before, there's no plan B for running the ball. I, you know what? I gave you credit for that on the show yesterday. You were insistent last week on there's no plan B for Adrian Peterson. And because I think that Sunday may have been his best performance and the most um, impactful performance yes. so far on the season for the team, especially with Thompson and Crowder out, um, I am tending to believe in what you believe, that this team right now doesn't have – Somebody is good. Uh, uh, somebody that's good enough to replace Adrian Peterson and give this team that needs balance um, what Peterson is giving them. Yes. But but let me finish this one thought. So 
you know, the team around him has to be solid. And and, and I and I think it is solid when they're healthy. This is not a team with, where the cupboard is bare. No. Okay, look, Alex Smith had a career year last year. Why? Uh, Tyreek Hill, yeah, he had, Kareem Hunt, he had, Travis Kelsey, he hello. had all pro offensive <laughs> weapons in Kansas City. But the cupboard isn't bare here when everybody's healthy. Thompson, Reed, Crowder, and now Peterson, that's a pretty good and a good enough supporting cast. But look, I've said this thousands of times now. It's certainly hundreds of times now <laughs> since the trade last January 31st. He's not as good as the guy that left. He's not. And this will be the defining move for Bruce Allen. If Bruce Allen's right, then good on him. If he's wrong, then he should be out of here. It's really hard for most franchises, Tommy, but for this one, nearly impossible over two decades to find a true franchise quarterback. And they had one. I'm not saying he's elite. All right, he's not Brady, he's not Breeze, right? He's not in the elite category, he's not Rivers, but he's durable, he's capable, he's a top 10 quarterback, and they had one finally, but whether it was because, well, Mike Shanahan drafted him, it wasn't our guy, or they didn't like him, or they weren't smart enough to know how to secure him long term, ding, ding, ding. Whatever it was, the bottom line is they didn't want to pay him a long-term deal. We know that for sure. Don't argue me, argue with me on that, anybody on Twitter. Please, there's no debate on that. They offered him $53 million guaranteed money and then called him greedy for not accepting it publicly. Okay, And he got $84 million for three years, nine months later. So, yeah, they were a little bit under the market on and, that and one. And the Jets were um, willing to pay him $90 million. Uh, Yeah, close to more than 90 So Bruce Allen's future should be tied to his record, which isn't very good, and to the decision, really, that he made regarding the quarterback. And, re- and keep in mind on this quarterback thing, Jay Gruden and Doug Williams, I don't even think they knew about the trade. I can tell you Doug Williams didn't because he told everybody. Yes. Jay admitted, I think unwisely, but honestly, that he never even evaluated the quarterbacks who were going to be in the draft. Remember that? Remember that admission? I don't remember that. Yeah. What did you think? So, you know, after the trade, what did you think about the, the very deep quarterback draft? Well, I never evaluated any of the quarterbacks. Hopefully somebody in the organization evaluated them. Hopefully before Bruce called Andy Reid for the second time in seven years and put a deal together for a quarterback. Um, but and, and remember this. There were multiple ways to go in the offseason. They could have gone with Colt. Yeah. Okay. That wouldn't have been my preference as a fan of the team, but I do believe what you believe, and that is that Jay does like Colt a lot. They could have drafted a young player okay, at their spot in the draft, or they could have traded up into the draft to get somebody that they really liked in this very deep quarterback draft, or they could have traded for somebody like they did. They could have traded for Dalton. They could have traded for McCarron. They could have traded for Tyrod Taylor, or they could have traded for Alex Smith. And to me, Smith was a good solution for the problem, the dilemma that they had created at that position, it was pricey, a third rounder in Kendall Fuller, not cheap. And then they went ahead and gave him a contract extension for four years. I did not love that. I would have preferred to have seen more than lock him in for that long. Um, but I, I was not given the moment and given the situation. And I still feel the same way. It wasn't a terrible trade. Uh, but he's not as good as the last guy. I hope you guys are starting to see that. He isn't. Now, the game he played 
uh, Tommy Sunday um, was not as bad as some people are saying either. And I don't know if you felt that his performance was bad. No, it was, I just think it's limited. I think he's limited. He's missing things. Kirk missed things. Colts missed things. RG3 missed things. All quarterbacks missed things. He missed a lot, though, in the game. Missed some big play opportunities. It was a C-plus, B-minus performance. The reason it, I would put it in the B-minus category or, or, or reach to that level is he made some plays. Listen, he when, made when, some good plays in that game he, that were winning plays. When, when, they got the, when they got the turnovers, he capitalized on it right away. I mean, right from the start of the game, he gave he helped give them the lead. The lead that I keep talking about, he helped give them that. lead. I can't wait till they fall behind in a game and he brings them back. And you're then what are you going to write? Well, <laughs> you know what? I'll you are a dog with a bone on I, certain things. You get this idea in your head, and you are just going to ride that dog for all of its worth, for all it's worth, and you are convinced. Right now, that the big limitation about Alex Smith is he can't bring him back. They have to have a lead. Yeah. Well, they don't have a comeback offense. They don't have. They can't score offense. They can't score in big plays. I mean, you saw. I mean, it's excruciating sometimes to watch them march down the field. I mean, they, they, they hang on to the ball for seven, eight minutes, and then they don't score sometimes. Well, you know, that happens with a lot of teams. It happened with some of Kirk's teams, I too. I, I, get, I, <clears throat> I, I, I get that, but Kirk was capable of a big strike, Well, and this guy isn't. He, and, 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 I, I disagree with that. I, I Look, I don't think and haven't thought and will never, ever think that they got better at quarterback in the offseason of 2018. Okay, I didn't think it in the moment. I don't think it now, and I don't think I will ever, ever think that. Keep in mind, he's thirty-four years old. Yeah, I know. So, um, but at the same time, I don't want that to mask that I feel like Alex Smith is a good quarterback. I think Alex Smith, with things around him, will work. And I disagree with you. I think Alex Smith can throw the deep ball. I think he will hit on some big shots this year. And I think they will be in position where they are behind at times and he leads a big drive. I think it's really what we're looking at here is a five-game snapshot of a guy that was with one guy for a long period of time in Andy Reid for seven, six years, seven years, six years in Kansas City. We're looking at five games with Jay Gruden. Um, Jay has a certain way uh, he wants his quarterbacks to play. Um, Alex Smith isn't as good as some at, at this particular brand of football, of being able to go boom, 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 A, B, C, get it out quickly. All right, get it to get it to the people who are open because Jay, you know, no matter what you want to say about him, and I think there's some areas where he's extremely limited, he can scheme people open. He's done that. Everywhere he's gone right. as an offensive coordinator. And people were open Sunday. And they were open against New Orleans. People were open against New Orleans, too. Uh, I, will, I will concede this point. I mentioned this yesterday. Their protection Sunday wasn't good enough. He was rushed too quickly. You know, there was too much immediate penetration in the general direction of the quarterback. And that that has a big impact on him. It it does. It does. And he gets happy feet. Here's the one thing I'd like to know about that. How much of some of this quick pressure, because Kirk was under siege the entire year last year with all of the injuries they had along the offensive line, and they're, they're having those injuries now. And the offensive line, I think we're starting to realize that maybe the offensive line without Sean Laval and Chase Ruye at guard, not center, isn't as good. Uh, it's two games. Um, but the... 
the thing that I don't know that I want to find out is is Alex Smith under siege so quickly because he's not identifying something pre-snap and moving the offensive line and the running back into position to account for what he's seeing. I have a feeling that he is struggling right now to see things, the blitz in particular, whether it is a blitz or whether it's not a blitz, and where to go. To, but that has nothing to do with Jay Gruden. No, I agree. That has I, I agree. That, that's a fundamental flaw if he doesn't recognize I know, that. But he's that he, has nothing to do with him being here five reco- games. He's recognized that in his past. Tommy, this has been a guy that's So that's performed. my point. If if that's a problem, that's an Alex Smith problem. That's not a Jay Gruden problem. I don't uh, he's he, we need is it fair to give him more than five games before, well, you, before you declare that there's no chance they'll ever have if they fall behind in a game? I didn't now, there's always there's an <laughs> exception to every rule. But that is the rule. I mean, that's pretty obvious moving forward. And as far as him not being able to recognize defenses, that has nothing to do with Jay Gruden. That's all on Alex Smith. It wouldn't matter if he was here for one game or 100 games. I I don't disagree with you. I just know that he is capable of doing this, and I think that it will get better. I think the performances are going to improve. Will he have a 300-yard passing game this year? Yes. Really? Did he have what has he had one yet? I don't think he's had one yet. I thought he may have had like, one had, in the uh in the loss maybe to I I don't know. Will he have a 300 You know what? In this particular NFL this year, yeah, 200, it would, 292 is his high see, so far. He hasn't had a 300-yard game yet. Look, th- <laughs> no, this leads look it, to, this look it. look it, look it. This leads to another conversation that I had with JP Finley on the show yesterday and that I that I think is a good conversation. So people are lighting it up this year in the NFL. You know, the yes. ru- the rules certainly make it uh it, it make it's it a advent, pinball league. Make it a huge advantage to throw the football. This this old, you know, you have to be balanced. You have to run the football. You got to be able to run the football in the fourth quarter to protect a lead. Not really. You can throw the football to protect a lead now too. A lot of teams are doing that. But with that said, there are multiple ways to skin this cat. There are multiple ways to win in the NFL, and the way the Redskins won on Sunday is still a viable way. You win the turnover battle. You don't commit a lot of stupid penalties. You play good special teams. You have a balanced attack offensively. Um, you hit on a couple of big plays that your quarterback hits on a couple of big plays where he extended plays and made some good plays to move the chains. Okay, that you way just, still works but, in the NFL. But you just you just pointed out five different components that led to that victory. Tell me one other game in Jay Gruden's career here in Washington where he's hit on all five of those things. Oh, they've had games like that. All five. Oh, the, the, the game last right. Reel them off again. The game last year in where Los they, Angeles where, against where, the Rams. Where they didn't beat the, themselves. The, the where, ga- where they didn't have stupid penalties. Where where they won the turnover battle. That, that, where they had a balanced offense. You, you're, you asked me a question. I'm going to tell you all those games. They've had those games. You're I don't to, think they have. Well, you, you, they haven't lost all their games since no, he's been coach. No, he's been a 500 haven't. coach. But, but, but those, since, since but the those 2013 specific disaster. components that you just mentioned are for this team. For this team in particular, is what they need to win. And I'm saying that the 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 times that Jay Gruden's teams have hit on all five of those cylinders are very rare.
Uh, He's had a he had a quarterback it, who covered up the mistakes from before. Now he has a quarterback where you better. You better not. You better win a turnover battle. You better not get stupid penalties. Okay, but you better have a balanced. Okay, offense. you better. You better. You better. But you can say that about you know more than half the teams in the league. More than half the teams in the league don't have a quarterback capable of throwing you to a win but each week. I'm not week. talking about them. I'm talking about this. Well, team. this team is one of those teams that has to do it the way I just described. And You're, I don't think they've got a coach who can deliver that for well, you week after he, week. He delivered it la- on Sunday. He delivered it last year in Los Angeles in week two when they ran the ball for you know a ton of yards in, in the win over the Rams. What was the uh, was it the Rams game last year that they had a ton of yards rushing when they went in there? And by the way, keep in mind, you didn't even know if the Rams were any good, and right. it turned out they were really good. Yes, last year against the Rams, Tommy, uh, no tur- no turnovers, uh, 229 yards rushing, 156 yards passing um, in that game against the Rams. Penalties, four penalties on the day. That was it. That that model has worked for him. Not okay. a lot. Not a lot. Okay. But and, and by the way, in that game, one you, game, in that game, if you recall, in a tie game, he needed his quarterback, who never ever, you know, has never really come up with a big play yeah. or driven them to a come from behind win or a big fourth quarter drive. Drove him ten plays, seventy yards, and threw the touchdown pass to Ryan Grant to win the game with about I don't know two minutes to go in that game, something like that. Um, but they've done that before. They did it against uh, Miami a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, for this quarterback, yeah. you need to do it almost every week. You okay? <laughs> but my my point is is that model that formula still works in the NFL. But that formula ja- ja- that formula does not. Jacksonville last year played good defense. And tried not to turn the ball over on offense and be smart. They, and they got great, to the AFC championship. They played great defense. They played great defense. They played great yeah, defense. And the Redskins defense now, is not at that level. Don't you think they're regretting that, that the Blake Bortles commitment that they've made? I would say they probably are you at know this what's, point. You know what's interesting? I'm not a, a Blake Bortles. I, I, I think Blake Bortles is good enough to win with. Well, I don't think – Big I, mistake. I think Alex Smith is better. But I think he's in that category of, you know what? You put a good defense and a good running game, and they haven't had Leonard Fournette for two weeks in a row. So that that's hurt them. Yes. You know what? They actually minus – their defense got torched by Dallas and, and, and played better than the score indicated against Kansas City, and they do have a lot of defensive talent. But the Jacksonville situation is not too dissimilar to the Redskins situation for your – um, your uh, insistence that if Adrian Peterson goes out, they're done. Because right now, it's clear in Jacksonville that they're not the same team without Leonard Fournette. Yes, that, I'll grant you that. You know, they're not the same team without him. Um, uh, I'll grant you that. Now, the other the other thing I want to point out to you is you're talking about how the Redskins are like a lot of other teams in the league, but the coach has pretty much told you before the season started. They were a playoff team? No, not just that they're a playoff team. There's no time for growth. There's no time. This is not a rebuilding. This is this, this the time is now. So the clock is ticking because the coach said the clock is ticking. <laughs> okay? So so they don't have they don't have a learning curve to be able to to play with. There, there's not like maybe he'll get Jay Gruden's system in year 2. Right. They don't have that luxury. I agree with that. I do agree with that that this is sort of a a deadline job. 
a short deadline job. Like you better show me you can do the work. But here I don't think it this is for year. the general manager. Though. I do. I, I don't. Well, because, with the team president. Well, the team president. Oh, but, it's but, it but he is, is the general manager. It's for the team president too, Tommy. I don't I, think so. Do you want to? Have we? Have we no, made, I'm not going to bet on that because it, because a normal person wouldn't keep Bruce Allen. Even an abnormal person wouldn't keep Bruce Allen uh, running the team. I, so I think I think I, I'm not going to make you bet on that. The, McClu- but, the McLuhan arbitration results will have something to do with that. In addition to what's going on on the field, yeah, continue. I, I agree with that. Uh, a normal person would have fired Bruce Allen for letting Kirk Cousins walk out of the building with a, either A, walk out of the building, or B, walk out of the building with any with nothing to show with for it. getting nothing back, yes. Right. So that, that blunder alone is a fireable offense. So if that didn't get him fired, the Alex Smith commitment, and we don't know how giddy Dan Snyder was about that. I'm thinking pretty giddy. I'm thinking that was a one-week party on the yacht for Dan Snyder. So he he... He may not have the luxury of looking at Bruce Allen and saying, look what you did to me, because he might have been right there holding Bruce Allen's hand saying, don't call Doug. Let's surprise him. (laughs) Let's surprise Doug. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, when Doug admitted that, do you what do you think went on in the background? They're like, oh, Doug, you can't tell people that I told you that. Oh my God! Um, hey, you know what though? It's Dallas week. Yes, it's Dallas week, and they've got a chance. And you know what, Look, Tommy? It wouldn't surprise me if if in the, by the end of the next two weeks they're five and two. It will surprise. That me. wouldn't surprise. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm excited about this game on Sunday. First of all, it should be a sellout. How? When was the last time we talked about it? might sell out? Yes. Seriously, all think those about, cowboy fans. Think about that. Just quick statement. This Sunday might be the first sellout of the year. Yes. What? This is the Redskins you're talking about. Yeah, it is. It's the 2018, the 2000s Redskins. So wait, um, we, we mean we mean in part because there'll be so many Cowboys fans there. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah, let me just tell but, you what. But, 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 but Redskins fans might get jacked up for this game, yeah, too. Yeah, this is important. Coming off a win, they should be. Uh, this is important, though. Uh, Dan Steinberg and I have talked about this. If, if either Washington Post or Washington Times hired a Dallas Cowboys beat writer to cover the Cowboys. I know. You, you've, you've mentioned this to me they, before. They, they, that would be the second biggest hits oh my God. on either website. I don't disagree with you. That's unbelievable. But you know what? And I, you know what? Hold on. I, hold on. I, I think that would be the case in a lot That's of That's what I was going to say. I do. That's what I was going to say. I think it would be the case in a lot of – maybe not New York. Maybe not oh, – Oh, no. Well, New, no, York, New York because of the other teams. But yeah. football, there are a lot of Cowboy fans in New York. Yes, I know that. There are a lot of Cowboy fans in Philadelphia. Yeah, I know that. But what I'm saying is that, I mean, they'd be literally the second tier of, of sports coverage in this town ahead of the Caps, the Wizards, the Nationals. You're right about that. You know, and then there's, there's some cities where that would happen. A lot of you well. don't understand this. Just trust us on this. The Caps are rising in popularity. I mean, exponentially. Okay, we get it. This isn't an anti-Caps thing or anti-Nats or Wizards thing. The NFL still, in most markets, including this one, still reigns yes. supreme. And the Cowboys in this market, Tommy is saying, and I don't disagree with him, in terms of clicks, 
on Dan Steinberg's, you know, bog or Scott Allen's, you know, a blog, uh, the Cowboy stories would be probably number two to the Redskins yeah. stories. Yeah, I agree. Which is amazing, but I agree. That's what I think. You, you know what's interesting? Because I, I thought, I think about that every once in a while. So this morning when I tweeted out, uh, another tweet just about yesterday's show, and if you, in case you missed yesterday's show, I included basically a Dallas Week hashtag and a Cowboys Jaguars, Cowboys Jags recap because I know that Cowboy fans are out there and everywhere. But but I, I want to make I just want to respond to one thing you said. It wouldn't surprise you if they're five and two. I mentioned this yesterday. This was straight from Steinberg. He tweeted this out. The Redskins do not have a team on the schedule the rest of the way with a winning record. Now, I don't really think that that's significant. Several of the teams have 500 records. Right, like the Eagles. And they have to play twice now. And Jacksonville could be healthy at the end of the year, and Tennessee could be in a playoff you know, mode. And Houston's really gone. They've won three in a row now to get to three and three. And all of the division games, even the giant games, are going to be difficult games. But – the five and two that you just said over the next two weeks with the Cowboys here and the Giants on the road, my first inclination, and I didn't mention this yesterday on the podcast, and we've got plenty of time over the course of the week to get to the game. I don't love the matchup for the Redskins Sunday. I don't love the matchup. I think that they are going to have a very difficult time offensively against the Cowboy defense. They have historically in recent years found it difficult to run the ball against Dallas. Um, So they've had the Redskins and Jay Gruden figured out a little bit on the run side. Dallas's pass rush is one of the best in the NFL right now. And the Redskins aren't protecting well. And you've got a quarterback who your coach said is sticking on guys a little bit too long to get to the next guys. Jay's going to have to come up with a really good game plan, I think, to scheme up some drives, some yards, and some points. Now, defensively, I think the Redskins have a chance to, to do pretty well in this game. But what the Cowboys went back to on Sunday is they went back to, for us to be good offensively, Dak Prescott has to be a part of this run game. Yes. And with him presented in, in, in the 11-on-11 run game that read option and read option style football presents, they torched Jacksonville and he threw the ball well because play action and the read option play action stuff was working and so I actually think Sunday is a difficult matchup for the Redskins I they can win the game yeah but so so my point is it wouldn't surprise me if in two weeks they're four and three okay four and three that after seven games who wouldn't have taken that well I think I think that's that's very feasible yes yeah I mean that's fine that's Again, fine. you know what? What's the Redskins survival uh, level where everyone survives? Playoff what's, playoffs. Really? What if you win nine games and don't win the playoffs? No. Don't make the playoffs. No. Really? Yes. Well, what, if, uh, Kevin? What if you win seven games and make the playoffs? Uh, that's a good question, and I suggested this last week that it wasn't just about the playoffs; it was about. Having a sense that the organization, by being a playoff team, is heading in the right direction, As and I don't to the think accidental, uh, occasional playoff appearance. That's right. Okay, 
Because uh, I think no, right, so you I think, think seven and nine forward. or eight and eight is a division winner, which isn't going to happen. Philadelphia is going to be better than eight and eight. I agree. Uh, and Dallas might be better than eight and eight, but I don't know. You know, the NFL we it's amazing. We declared Dallas dead a few weeks ago. Teams like Houston dead a few weeks ago. You know, and and here they are. So um, I I just don't see the owner going another season with this group if it's not obvious at the end of the year that it's heading in the right direction with good coaching, with competent direction from their team president, with really good young talent, and it's obvious. That's my feeling. I could be wrong. Okay, let's talk about the Politburo known as Redskins Park over there. Let's say at the end of the season that's not clear. Let's say they were 8-8. Eight and eight. Or let's say they won nine and seven, but they didn't make the playoffs. But it wasn't clear that they were progressing. They were just standing still, you know, running, running and treading water. Change. Okay. How much influence, if any, do you think the new business group led, led by Brian LaFamina would have on owner Dan? I don't Snyder? know the answer to that. I don't. I don't do have. You think? Do you think it's possible that that they could go to him and say, "Look, we we're trying." I don't think to- that's why Brian was hired. I. He's trying to market the team and sell tickets. Yes, but I don't think he was hired to be involved in football decisions. But they're all connected, Kevin. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, You're, you've got to be a fool Brian, not to recognize that the marketing and 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 the product on the field are connected. Look, for them, it was never connected, as we know, because the right. product on the field sucked and their marketing was always first rate, and they continued to get people to spend and valuation of franchise to increase. I think Brian was brought in here to change the business culture of the Redskins from a an organization that from the executives to their salespeople to their PR people were off the charts and out of place, chesty and arrogant. And I think that the league realized this is a valuable franchise and has been to the league for many many years and it is really eroded it is eroded to a point where we got to get somebody that knows how to turn that around and i've talked to brian before and i think brian's a smart guy i don't know if he'll last like you've said i mean usually the really sharp guys don't last too long except for eric schaefer um for for forever eric's been a good cap guy not not super good but good but I think Brian was brought in here to say, to be the guy that says, hey, we're not going to stick our chest out and make you feel like it's a privilege to be in our park on Sunday, or it's a privilege to have the opportunity to root for the team. We're going to be nice to uh, media people, uh, and every media person now, because we need to sell tickets. I think that's what Brian was brought in to do. I, I, I agree with you. And by the way, also with corporate sponsors, Tommy, where there was a ton of arrogance over the years. At the end of the year, I think it's perfectly feasible uh, that 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 group led by La Famina could could report to the owner and say, hey, we've gone as far as we can with what we've done. But what you've got on the field, we can't sell. You got to do something else. You well, make a boy, that sounds like you got to make a big splash off season higher. <laughs> I mean, that's what that sounds like, which is the old way of doing business. I, I think, uh, I, look, here's the bottom line there has never in recent memory um, been what I would call 
like a high IQ approach to the football operation. No. We haven't had that in Ashburn in years. So, and here's but here's the other thing, Tommy. Think about this too, because we've talked about this in the past. Who's going to come here? Like you, Jay Gruden came here because there were ties between Bruce and the Grudens. Yes, right there. There's relationships there. The whole Tampa thing. But if you you know, blow it up, which I'm suggesting will happen if they don't make the playoffs and it's not obvious that this thing is heading in the right direction. Who in recent memory has, you know, fought to work here? I'm talking about quality people, first rate football people. Look, we don't we don't know. We didn't we didn't even I hear hope. we didn't even hear Brian LaFamina until the Redskins hire him. So I'm sure there's people on the football side of business that will trust around in him the NFL that that w- that see a chance to run the Washington Redskins. There's always going to be a talented person who thinks that they can be the one to get it right. Let's not forget that in 2008, they had to settle for Jim Zorn because the organization was in turmoil. At the end of 2013, Tommy, I don't think people, when Shanahan walked out of here, uh, I don't think people were clamoring, quality people clamoring for this job. Remember, there were a lot of big-name candidates that year, and the Redskins had Gruden. I, maybe that's who they wanted. Perhaps that's who they wanted. I don't think he was the top choice necessarily that year, but that's who they had to settle for. I don't know what – you know. It, we're, we're, it's a lot of speculation now with, with a guy like La Famina in the organization. If they could go out and hire you know, quality people to run the football operation. But right now what you have is you do have a better roster than you've had in a few years. You're in first place at 3-2. and two. Yeah. I know it doesn't feel like it because of the up-and-down nature of the first five games of the season. Two embarrassing, if not humiliating, losses – um, in the five games, it's not like they, you know, they went to New Orleans and lost thirty-eight, thirty-five in overtime, or that they, in their home opener, had a packed house and lost on an Andrew Luck, you know, miracle hail mary play at the end of the game. They got bum rushed and, and embarrassed, humiliated by both of those teams. So you do wonder about that stuff, but you know they're going to go ahead and play these final eleven games know, anyway. But, but, but there's y- time to turn the narrative. I know that, but you've declared that this is judgment year. I, I, it is for me as a fan. Okay, for Bruce Allen. Well, then if it's and ju- for the people that made the decision about the quarterback, if it it's is judgment year. It's a rather important decision. Then everything is on the table. I think everything's on the table. Do Do you disagree? I don't think Bruce Allen's going anywhere. Okay. Other than that, everything's on the table. All right. Uh, let me tell you about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. Tommy, guess who I had a long conversation with yesterday? Who? Ralph Perkins. Really? We talk all the time. Ralph's such a good guy. His son Kyle's a great guy. And they're huge D.C. sports fans. And Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax is a wonderful dealership. It really is. If you go out there, their salespeople are great. Their service team is first rate. And Ralph runs that place Every single day, he never gets a day off. Kevin, give him a day off here and there. Uh, Kevin Farish is great, too. It's really one of the great dealerships in town. If you are in the market for a Chrysler, a Dodge, or a Jeep, or a Subaru, please go to Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. Right now, they've got plenty of inventory on their lot. Great deals right now. 
any Jeep, a Jeep Grand Cherokee right now, you're going to save big. They're located right there in Fairfax Circle. You can ask Ralph Perkins when you get there um, and, and ask for him when you get there. He'll, he'll put you in touch with the best salesperson. Tell him I sent you. You can also find out everything you need to know about Farish. Live inventory, live pricing at FarishCars.com. All right, I want to... Uh, I want to talk to you about something briefly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but you. Well, I guess we have no choice since, but since it's your show. But you're the no. It's your it's your show too on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is so one I, of, so well, I which is my to, favorite to, thing. I've told you this. I don't know if I've said this yet on the podcast, but l- l- the, my favorite thing so far about doing this podcast is reuniting with you two days a week. It is. It's my favorite thing about it. It's a lot of fun. <clears throat> um, but you're the journalist of the two. I am not a journalist. <laughs> I'm not a reporter. As you know, because you've done both, there is a significant difference between reporter and radio or podcast talk show host. But you know we're all lumped into this media category. Okay, well yeah. your your type, you like to thumb your nose and look down on the sports radio podcaster types, and you have forever. That's fine. I mean, I know I've been able to hang out a lot with you over the years, and Tony over the years, and Mike Wilbon a little bit here and there. Um, I know what most of you newspaper people think of the whole genre of sports talk radio. I have a much different opinion. It's not what I'm going to get into right now. You know that on Friday, I was the outlet for the Josh Norman halftime benching story. I know that because everybody was talking about it all weekend, including national networks and like the NFL network and Fox. Right. So I just want to ask your opinion on attribution when is it okay after a story breaks on Friday? And you know, by the way, and you're smiling at me, but you know that, honestly, I don't really care that much about this stuff. I don't. I don't get worked up about this stuff. It's just ironic and perhaps hypocritical because many people in your line of work get really upset when they're not credited for some story. So I would ask you... Um, is it okay for the post on in Monday's paper to write about Josh Norman that a report surfaced last week about why he was benched? Is it okay just to refer to it as a report at that point? When is it no longer uh, important to, to actually attribute the story to the person that broke it? Okay, who wrote the story? Kareem Copeland. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess here that this was a decision done by an editor in the building, and it was not done by the reporter. Okay. Okay, because editors, you know, I I, I have to say that they're the lowest form on on, on the food chain in in, in the journalism uh, food chain. That they are the ones that that you know that probably never most most of them never covered a beat. But they sit there in their in their office, and to keep from going great crazy, they make these uh, arbitrary decisions on things. And I'm sure an editor was sitting in the office and saying, "Kevin Sheehan podcast, what is that? We'll just change it to reports." That's what I'm guessing. Okay, happened. that's that's okay? fine. So because because I mean, because, do you look, know how many times I've been lectured by your types over the by, years? Okay. Over the years, okay. I have been lectured no less than a half dozen times 
about things that I talked about on radio without crediting the proper source. And almost every single time it happened, it was a journalist and in quotations, a newspaper person. And by the way, it was never intentional because I always credited when I knew I should credit. Usually it was, I heard it somewhere or read it on ESPN.com and they didn't credit it. So that's where I got the information to begin with. So it was never intentional, but I just, I always find it interesting that it was, I got lectured over the years for not when I didn't do it. And yet they do it all the time. And I've got other examples I could cite, which I don't, again, it's not that big of a deal. I just wanted to find out from you, when is it that you don't have to? Like, you know, Fox, Pam Oliver, and I love Pam Oliver. I think she does a great job. She didn't credit me during the game. That's okay. It's Fox television. And you can refer to reports, I guess, at that point. Ian Rappaport did a thing. Now, he did credit me in his tweet, but then he did the stand-up, the video piece, and just talked about you know DC reports. Well, the video, Again, the video thing is different. You've been in TV, you know that. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't care. I care more about the newspaper thing. Okay, well, I know because that. it's that's hypocritical to me. That's what, and it is. Here's the thing. I think we, uh, some people in a newspaper business, overestimate uh, what people will think if you credit somebody else in your story with a report. Not like it's some kind of admission of failure. Most people, when they're reading these stories, don't particularly care that you'll say. I agree with a that. Washington. I Post. completely so agree. I, so with I that. have no problem crediting the Washington Post reported this or something like that. You know, I, Tommy. And, and we, now here's the thing: we now, would credit the other radio station right. who was well, a direct competitor. You know, that's that's a little. Bit, I wouldn't go. Uh, I did. I did. Listen, when it came to the I, Kirk I, Cousins I, interview, I worked at 980 for a long time, and to be honest with you. Neither station ever did that. Neither station. I did it. Well, most of the time I ever heard. And I wasn't reprimanded for it. Well, most The Kirk Cousins interview, which was well done by uh, Grant and Danny. Right. Right? Grant yes. and Danny did it. Um, I, I attributed everything about the conversation about that interview okay. to the interview done on JFK. And I can think of a, a dozen times where as a station – uh, 980 just chose to not even acknowledge that uh, a report came from okay. 106 and vice versa. I mean, I've, I've seen it happen both ways, you know? So uh, I think, I think, I, by the way, again, I want to emphasize this. I really don't. Oh, I think you do. No, I, I really I, don't. I, I know because I know you think I do. And I know because I brought it up, people will think I do, but I swear to God, like over the weekend, I'll tell you what. Again, the only thing was reading the post yesterday and seeing that and thinking these are the people multiple times over 10 years, 10 years plus. Uh, did, did you credit us for the discussion you had? I didn't. And I would say if I didn't, I didn't know it actually came from you. I got it from this story. And look, they didn't credit you. So that's why I didn't know it was you. So I'm just saying that's the only thing that bothers me is that there is some hypocrisy there. Now there, there's there's levels of credit. Uh, this last thing I'm going to say on it. Like, Good. In other words, like I, I can understand why somebody wouldn't credit a specific show. In other words, like I mean, but but there is no station for you. Exactly. You're the Kevin Sheehan show. Right. But like if we were on 980, 
And they just credited a report on ESPN 980 as opposed to a report on the sports. Understood. Thing. See, I have no problem. Well, with you that. and I had a bunch of yes. stories that we had that were on ESPN crawls yes. with interviews that we did, and it was always credited, almost always, to the radio by station. the post usually to ESPN 980, right. not fine. the Sports Fix. That's Kevin fine. Shee and Tom Lavero. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. But there is no station. There's the Kevin Sheehan show, and. And you're at war with the Washington Post, baby. I no, love that. No, you know what's, oh, there's a no, war. No, you know what's, you know what's so funny? Because you know this. Uh, I, I have been a devout reader of the Washington Post for years. And the, the, the sports section. And they've had great columnists. And I love Barry. I think Jerry does a very good job. I think he's fearless. Um, I think you're the most fearless columnist in this town by far. Um, but I love Barry. I love Jerry. I loved Mike when he was covering the team. Um, the, this is like the Mouseketeers. Uh, well, I, I do, I, I do. But I, but I have been not the not the three people that I just mentioned, but others I've been lectured by. Go ahead, say it. I'm not going to say, say I, it. No, because it'll just start another. Say thing. it. No. Say it. I'm going to say it. Well, Junior, if you don't say it, if Ju- I say, okay. Junior ahead. has J- John has lectured me via email so many times <laughs> over the years, and nothing he's ever lectured me about is based on real fact. That's the problem, is because usually it was like the last one, Tommy. He sent me this long email about it started with so the day that oh god why did Go you ahead. draw me into this i can't wait till I wanna, thursday I wanna, show now i, I want to get to coaching <laughs> blunders no the the, 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 the last and by the way it's, it's not just him there have been others from that paper but he's but, the one you can definitely remember w- well yeah because it's happened a few times where you know when lefty was put in was announced that he was going into the hall of fame yes. last spring whenever it was early summer um i did a whole thing on it on the show and he emailed me and he said, hey, I didn't get a chance to listen to the show today. Did you talk about Lefty? And I said, yes. I, I'm, right now, I don't have the emails in front of me. So please, this is total based on memory paraphrasing. Um, I said, yes. And he said, did you credit me? And I said, credit you for what? For breaking the Lefty story. And I said, well, I didn't know you broke the Lefty story. I read it this morning on ESPN.com. Or saw it last night on Scott Sports Center, and they didn't credit you. Which, by the way, is often the way you get news. You don't know the source. And to your point, I think you were making this point. I don't think the listener or the reader ever gives two shits about that. They no, don't care. They don't care. They don't care where it comes from. And it's never been, Tommy, part of what we've done on radio or now on podcasts. It's not important for us to do it it's more important for reporters who cover the team to get it and let's also be honest in this town redskins news is never broken by anybody locally That's it's true. almost always a national reporter so that bruce usually has so a relationship let's hear, with. let's hear how bad feinstein ripped you uh, i mean it for not giving him credit it just it, it, what did he it, what did he say it was apparently really difficult for him to understand how i didn't read the story in the post before I went on the air that morning and credit him. And I immediately got back to him after I after he reminded me and I read the story and I immediately told the update anchors, hey, when you were doing this lefty story, attribute it to Feinstein breaking the story in the post. You can see it's right here. He broke the story. 
And But I didn't know it when I was on the air. You know why? Because I actually that morning didn't read the post or didn't read those stories online about Lefty. I had already seen the story on Lefty. Of course, you know, he found it, uh, you know, incredible um, to believe. But whatever. I, you know, he, I, I, I actually miss the days when John would just call in occasionally onto the radio show. I don't, I, I like him. Of course, look at I've been John. Li- I, he, John's he, been he and, very good to me. He, he and he's, he's he and others. He's not the only one. You know, there have been uh, television stations in town that have said, "Why didn't you guys credit us for that?" And said, didn't know that you broke the story. You know, in this day and age, Tommy, where stories break everywhere, and you have so many ways in which you're consuming information, you it's not ridiculous to think that you missed on who broke the story, Aaron. You, you so be, you better extend Thursday's show because I got a feeling we're going to be talking about this again. I, we're not going to be talking about oh, this again. I, think, I, I don't. I don't. Care. I think so. I don't care. Let's get. <laughs> I. I don't care. You forced me into that conversation. <laughs> but, uh, that Let's, was that was a that was a podcast blunder. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's not a podcast. I brought it up. Okay. I brought it up. You just took took, took the turn there late. No. I. What I want to say though is you're. Always my go-to for this. You and Tony are my go-to for the for these things. I just found it interesting that you know the post didn't give me any credit for it. Well, they it should was, have. Yeah, but they should have because occasionally it, it, I've heard from people at the post yeah. that were upset that I didn't give them credit for things. But and, then and again, you know this stupid podcast—who's paying attention to it? I don't know if the time only gave, tens and tens of thousands of people. My, so far. I don't know if my paper gave you credit for it either. They probably didn't. I don't even know. But I'll I wouldn't know because I wouldn't know because I didn't read your paper. <laughs> I read your columns because you send them to me, and I just wish you would send them to me without the link to the Times website, <laughs> so I could consume them easy, rather than having to fight no, with made, getting kicked out of the website every we've made three some seconds. Changes to the website, apparently. Okay. I, I was on there this morning, and there was is there a, a way you could just, you know, highlight and copy the text from your column and just send me the text without all the other advertising on it? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think you could. All right, let's get to coaching blunders. Bad play calls, clock management gaps, missed opportunities. It's Coach Sheehan's Blunders of the Week. Do we have a nickname for... Well, you know, a, a lot of people offered suggestions, but one uh, listener in particular, uh, 980 Nerd, had three of them in a row, and all, if any of them are winners. One is Blunder Boys... The other is Gaff Squad, and I like the third, Coach Patrol. <laughs> I like that one too. Yeah, we'll go with Coach Patrol. Okay. Coach Although Gaff, what was it? Gaff, Gaff Squad. Gaff Squad. Yeah. It's sort of like Geek Squad. Yeah. Um, and Blunder Boys. Blunder Boys sounds like a movie. I was going to say that. That's uh, what? What's the boys? Yeah. The, uh... the Joy Boys, not the Joy Boys. The um, Bowery Boys. Well, there's the, the... Junction. Yeah. The Junction Boys. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Coach Patrol. We'll go with Coach Patrol. Okay. All right. So just ha- hashtag if you've got coaching blunders that you want me to consider, just hashtag Coach Patrol and tweet them to me at Kevin Sheehan DC. That would be the easiest way, I guess, you can send them to me. Um, we're on Facebook. We've got a show Facebook page, we have a show Instagram page. Uh, we have a show Twitter page, 
And you can also follow me on Twitter to get everything about the show. And you can follow Tommy on Twitter, at Tom Lavero, and then me, at Kevin Sheehan, D.C. Um, we've asked uh, all of you who have not rated the show on iTunes to do so. That really helps. Rating it on any um, download platform you have helps. Writing a review helps. And tell all those people that haven't listened to the show that want to listen to the show, if they don't know how to do a podcast, that subscribing doesn't mean paying. Um, it's free. And that they can just go to the KevinSheehanShow.com because it's played there. And we're getting a lot of the uh, people to listen that way. And remember, the beauty of the podcast is you decide when you listen. Right. Not somebody else. That's what makes it so attractive. All right. I've got a couple of things that are blunders. And then I've got a couple of things that I thought were odd and bothered me a little bit. I'm going to start with that. In the Michigan game against Wisconsin on Saturday night. A huge game. And Michigan, just so you know, is not out of the picture, playoff picture, with the one loss to Notre Dame. They're going to have a chance to beat Ohio State at the end of the year and then win the Big Ten title game. And I would guess right now that a one-loss Michigan team that beats Ohio State and wins the Big Ten title will be very much in that final discussion about whether or not uh, they're a playoff team or not. Their defense is really, really good. But they did something that bothers the hell out of me as a fan of the teams that I'm rooting for or a fan of the teams that I bet on, <laughs> which was the case with Michigan. They're driving the ball down the field, Tommy, with their quarterback, Shea Patterson, the transfer from, from uh, Ole Miss. He's playing great. He's throwing the ball well. They're moving the ball. They're in rhythm. And then they put the other guy in. These freshman quarterback you know, sensations that the coaches feel pressured to get into the game. Yes. You know, so that recruiting doesn't get, oh, they, look, they recruited him. They didn't even play him in his freshman year, and they told him they would play him. You can't put that guy into the game for some little package in a 0-0 game when your quarterback, your starter, is moving the team, you're in rhythm, and it looks like you're, you're about to march right into the end zone. I can't stand when coaches do that. Um, you know, Harbaugh and company in Baltimore will throw Lamar Jackson in there. By the way, the only thing I think he's done is run the ball. He hasn't thrown it yet. I could be wrong about that. Aaron, will you look it up to see if Lamar Jackson's thrown a pass? How many, th yet how this many year? passes has RG3 had this year in Baltimore? <laughs> uh, he hasn't <laughs> been active yet in a game. So they haven't given him a uniform either. They right? haven't. Okay. But I, I just... The, the guy comes in, he gets stopped for like a three-yard loss, and they end up, you know, getting backed up on something else, and they end up punting. It's like, come on. You're in rhythm. Your offense is moving. It's a nothing-nothing game. Let's go score. Lamar Jackson threw four passes in that first game when he came in for the full oh, quarter. against and, Buffalo. And, and one pass other than that. Okay. That's, um, you see, that's a podcast blunder there. You got that wrong. A, that's a podcast blunder. Yeah. I think Atlanta blundered on Sunday. This also is slightly um, skewed because I had bet the, the Buccaneers <laughs> plus three. They were down too late. Tampa was out of timeouts, and there was a minute left in the game. And it was fourth and two at the Tampa 39-yard line. And 
Quinn put Bryant into the game to kick a 57-yard field goal. I couldn't believe it when they got when you're in that situation and you've got the underdog plus three and the underdog is covering, they're down two and they've got no timeouts left, and it's third and two, you want the offensive team to get the first down yes, and then take three knees and run the clock out, 31-29 final. In this particular situation, they got stopped on third down, but it was going to be a 57-yard field goal. Now, I know Matt Bryant is great, and it's indoors, and I'm sure the confidence level in him right now is off the charts, although do you know he got hurt? On that field goal attempt. He may be out this coming week. But when they trotted that field goal team out there for a 57-yarder, I'm like, what are you doing? Punt the ball. Now, I think he thought they couldn't stop Tampa. And Jameis Winston had a hell of a game. And they were not stopping Tampa. So he probably thought, if we punt it and pin them inside the 15-yard line, even though they don't have timeouts, they'll get in field goal range and beat us. So I guess it was... In his mind's eye, the right play given the context of the game. But more times than not, you know, a 57-yard field goal, I got to think is still, even indoors with Matt Bryant, is still 50-50? Yeah. Yeah. Now this, maybe, this, maybe with Bryant indoors, it's better than 50-50. But this sounds more like a betting blunder than a coaching blunder. <laughs> it may be. I guess the other is, why didn't he go for it there? If he's, afraid of the, if he's afraid of the Tampa offense, why not go for it and try to end the game? Well... Yeah, because Tampa still got the ball down the field and had a chance to score in that crazy last play, a touchdown to win it. And by the way, that probably justifies the decision to kick the field goal because they would have gotten in field goal range had they punted it. I just couldn't believe he did that because a missed field goal there is basically a loss, or it's certainly going to end up in Tampa having a walk-off field goal attempt to win the game. Uh, All right, those weren't coaching blunders necessarily. Here were the coaching blunders. Temple's playing Navy on Saturday. And uh, Temple's up 24-17 late in the game, driving deep into Navy territory. This is a tough year so far for Navy. Oh, yes, it is. You know, they're 2-4 and four now. We haven't yeah. seen that, in, you know, from Coach Ken's team in a, in a while. Um, Navy is uh, driving the ball down Navy's throat with a 24-17 lead. Um, about the three-and-a-half, four-minute mark. Second goal at the Navy 9 uh, they haven't thrown the ball and really – they've run it right down the field, basically, on Navy. Um, so what do you want? You want to keep running the football, make Navy use some timeouts, run the clock, and inexplicably, Temple decides they're going to throw the football in second and goal from the nine, up seven in this football game, and they threw an interception into the end zone. That's terrible game management in that spot by Temple. You are running it down their throat. You already have a seven-point lead. You're going to win the game if you keep handing the ball off and you get stopped because you'll kick a short field goal to make the lead a 10-point lead. And on that drive, the four or five plays leading up to that were runs. You know, a five-yard run, a four-yard run, a 12-yard run. And then on first and goal at the Navy 10, a two-yard run. So there they are, you know, running it right down their throat, and the guy throws a pass, and it gets picked off, which gave Navy a chance to go down and tie the game. They didn't do it, and Temple still won the game. But that is a, that's a game management blunder on the coaching staff's part. Here's another one. Um, so... Oregon, if you remember, Aaron, you'll remember this when they played Stanford and they had a chance basically not to run the clock completely out 
um, but they had a chance to to run it down to like 10 seconds, and yes. Mario Cristobal was still running the running back instead of maybe taking three knees and punting it with eight seconds left in the lead against Stanford at the end of regulation, and the running back fumbled it, and Stanford forced overtime, and then they lost in overtime, and that's the only loss for Oregon so far because they beat Washington on Saturday, but they're lucky they beat Washington on Saturday because Cristobal made a massive error um, at the end of regulation. And the error was this. Um, he, He had two timeouts as Washington got into field goal range in a tie game at 24-24. It's 24-24. Washington's in field goal range late in the game, under a minute to go, and clearly setting up for the field goal. Washington setting up for the field goal at the Oregon 21-yard line, about 45 seconds left. And Cristobal, the coach, just lets the clock run. You have got to call your timeouts there. You have a chance. It was a second down play with 40 seconds to go. You have a chance to force the field goal with about 30 seconds to go, giving you a chance to get the ball back down three. But he let the clock roll down to three seconds so that Washington could walk off and kick a game-winning walk-off field goal. He used his timeouts, though, to ice the kicker. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it worked. But that's not the right strategy. The kicker missed the 35-yard field goal. The game went to overtime, and Oregon won the game in overtime. But that does not, that does not take the head coach off the hook for watching the clock go from 40 seconds down to three seconds with two timeouts in his pocket. You have to use those timeouts to ensure that when the field goal is kicked, hopefully with 35, 33 seconds left, that you have a chance to come down and tie the game by getting into field goal range as well. Absolutely. And then I also mentioned yesterday, um, Jay Gruden should have taken a timeout on defense at the end of the game against Carolina uh, simply because you have to understand at the end of that game with Carolina holding three timeouts and they're in the Redskins' uh, red zone at that point with a minute 15, minute 16 left in the game, you you have to understand that if your strategy is hoping that the clock will run out on Carolina, it won't. It's not going to in that situation. So you got to use a timeout on defense to give you to preserve time in the event that they do score a touchdown. Well, fortunately for him, North Turner was calling plays for uh, yeah. They could have run the ball. He they could have run the ball he there. He didn't have to worry. You're right about that. Uh, NBA starts tonight. Did you know that? Yes, I did. You did know that? Yeah. And the Wizards open to uh, when? Uh, Thursday night. Thursday against Miami, right? Their openers Thursday night against Miami. Tonight you get the Warriors in the Thunder. I don't know what Westbrook's status is. I don't know if he's going to play tonight. He's been hurt. And then tomorrow night you get LeBron's uh, debut um, for oh, actually, LeBron's debut with the Lakers is Thursday night. Also, that's the TNT game at Portland. By the way, speaking of Portland, you saw that Paul Allen passed away at yes, a very young age. Sixty-five is too it young. Shows you that money can't can't buy everything. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. By the way, what? Uh, I might want to point out that uh, I was right about Russell Westbrook, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two little things here. Uh, you were right about Des Bryant. Uh-huh. You told me you'd never have Des Bryant on your team, and I said, he's so good, I would take him on my team if I had that kind of team that could handle him. Um, you were right about him. Uh, are you right about Westbrook? 
I mean, the results are that you're right about Westbrook because he hasn't been able to win a title, but the closest he got was on a team where you had two of the t- yes. you know best five players in the game, right. which right now you pretty much have to have at least one of the top five players to win a title, and you really have to have a second player that's in the top ten but to as, win a title. as great as he is, he helped sabotage those teams too. Well, that's not the that's not the way I remember it. If you okay. go back and you watch the finals uh, against uh, when you watch the Miami Oklahoma City finals series, it was Westbrook who carried that team. Durant wilted in those finals. It was Westbrook who gave them you'll a chance in a series that they they it might they take weren't close. Twelfth year, thirteenth year, but you'll realize it. You'll never win with Russell Westbrook. Uh, NBA starts tonight, and uh, I'm going to watch some of it tonight. Uh, 76ers Celtics and then Thunder Warriors. And now that I don't have to get up at 4.45, 5 a.m. every morning, I can stay up and watch those late-night NBA games that I used to watch. I'm excited about that. Thanks to Aaron. Listen. Thanks to all of you. Yes, I'm listening. I just want to remind everybody that you can hear me on 106.7 The Fan. Saturdays with Andy and Wednesdays with Chad. With Andy, 4 to 6 Wednesdays with Chad Dukes. And you could read my column in the Washington Times, WashingtonTimes.com. Yes, you can. WashingtonTimes.com. It's an easy read. Don't believe this guy. No, He's n- not a journalist. What's he know? <laughs> exactly. I'm not a journalist. It's not only, uh, well, the easy read comes to, is about the content. It's getting to that content that I wish it's were worth getting easier, to. but it is worth getting to. Because you are uh, and have been, for me, my favorite columnist and the only columnist in this town that is a flamethrower. <laughs> what, what did Steinberg call you? Uh, bomb, bomb thrower. Bomb, bomb thrower. thrower. Same thing. Uh, thanks to Aaron. Thanks to you guys. Back tomorrow. Uh, trying to get a couple of Wizards guests for the show tomorrow. I'm hopeful of that uh, as we preview a little bit more tomorrow, the NBA season. But we'll have a lot on Redskins-Cowboys as well.